0: Radio Misfits Podcast Network.
1: From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to The Winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week.
0: Oh, what a nice pour. That was beautiful. That was a good guest pour. Hey, welcome to the Winemakers everybody. I'm John Myers, sitting with my good friends Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, and today our special guest is Jillian Johnson from Onesta. You're living in Napa. You've I've been really enjoying your wines at the Girl and the Fig for years and years and years. Thank so, you. hey, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm really Absolutely. excited to be here today. Are you
1: kidding me? This is perfect. Well, Brian was probably responsible for bringing your wine into the girl and the fig. Well, obviously you were responsible, but Brian came probably came across his desk, right?
3: I don't. It's possible that Jillian's wines were in there when I came in. I don't know.
2: You were you were the first person I talked to about him. I I believe. Okay. Yeah, it's been so long now.
1: Eight years. Was he hard? Was he hard on you, Jillian? He was. No, he was pretty easy. Like, oh yeah, I'll I'll get back to you and stuff like that.
3: Well, she had an, I think <laughs> I think she had an easy in because there's always, you know, when you want to have, so it's, uh, at the Girl in the Fig, there's, you know, different sections and it's all run varietal. So who makes a hundred, so to have a section on the wine list, you've got to have at least three of that varietal to make it look, unless, otherwise it kind of looks weird, right? Right. So sanso is like... Oh, whenever I would find anyone that I knew made Sanso, especially 100% so, Sanso, I snuggled up to him because I was like, oh, you have Sanso, Let me try the Sanso. And then I fell in love with it. Right. Um, and then more and more people were making it. But um, yeah, w- the Frick was always on the list mm-hmm. and Turley, which yeah. you guys source out of the same vineyard, I believe, in, in Lodi.
2: Yeah. Thank God for the Bechtold Vineyard and so many people producing from it because you yeah. now can have a senso section. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like it. So maybe um, so let's start with the first wine. This is your rosé. Um, could you kind of start? And that's a good introduction to the Bechtold Vineyard that, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there who probably aren't familiar with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The Bechtold Vineyard is this smallish 25-acre vineyard planted out on the west side of Lodi.
3: <laughs> Sorry, we got that's it. All right. yeah. We have an intruder. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, Molly the Corgi is taking care of... She's a, so cute. I know. So cute. <laughs> Good puppy. Okay. So,
2: <laughs> so it's all 100% Senso. The vines were planted in 1886. So
3: the whole Bechtold Vineyard is all Senso?
2: The whole... Well, the Bechtold Vineyard that we refer to, the Senso plot, yes. But he also okay. has Chardonnay and I believe some Cabernet as well. But Ooh, they're... Interesting. I'm not sure if they're labeled the Bechtold Vineyard or... Right. Yeah, it's a totally separate zone.
1: And this is in the Sacramento Delta. Yes. So it's actually, you know, this is an island, essentially, that um, it's on, correct?
2: Well, the the Delta is really important for Lodi as a whole, Right. you know, to make it an actual high-quality wine-growing region. The Delta is like an air conditioner, just like the the San Francisco Bay is for Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. So we get that important diurnal temperature swing where you have... You know, that at least a 20 degree differential from the daytime heat to the nighttime low. And that's what really helps the, the fruit retain its acidity and and crispness in the wines eventually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's- Brian, we, we've been out there uh, and I guess we didn't really do the Delta. We kind of scooted across Highway 12. but um,
3: Yeah, you know, we you- ran all the way up 12, all the way into Victor.
2: You, you ran. Well, well no, we <laughs> <laughs> we went <laughs> and did a podcast in <laughs> okay. Victor. We
3: with, thought it oh, was yeah. strange um, that we're you know we started on Highway 12 and ended on Highway 12, right. but a lot of turns in between. Um, but yeah, we we spent a little time over there, and it's just an incredible area. And and um, we met met up with Tegan Pasalakwa and and um, uh, Marcus uh, Bokish as well over there, and kind of took a look around. And it's one of those areas that you know a lot of our listeners or people out there that you know, have been drinking wine that's labeled California or something like that probably have had Lodi wine, but I think it's only in the last, I don't know, 10 years, something like that, where you'll see winemakers like Tegan and yourself kind of dip into Lodi and go, wait a minute, there's something going on here that most people don't know about that these vi- old vines, right. high quality fruit, low yield, the soils, there, you know, resistant to phylloxera. And so
0: you've got these old, old vines, um, Yeah, you got some... 1886, they first planted that?
2: That's when they first planted it, yeah. I mean,
0: and you've got 25 acres of Senso down there?
2: Yeah. It's actually, we haven't found anything older planted to uh, Senso. So, in France, Phylloxera wiped out Mm -hmm. all of the old vines. South Africa, they do have some older Senso plantings, but nothing that dates back that far. So, Mm -hmm. we're claiming that this is the oldest Senso vineyard in the world.
3: (laughs) period, mic drop, right <laughs> know, there. Right. And that's that. <laughs> Seriously. <Wow. laughs>
2: God damn it. Right?
3: No, that's great. That's incredible.
2: It is. Out in Lodi. Not oh, yeah. even very far from uh, Sonoma. And, where we're and do
1: the Bechtold family, do they farm other crops out there like a lot of the farmers do?
2: They did originally. Okay. Yes. Right but now, the, the farming is actually contracted out to Michael David Winery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very uh, good wait, farmers. Those,
3: the, yeah. whole, uh, the whole vineyard?
2: The 25 acres, yeah. Wow, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that uh Tegan had mentioned all the vineyards that Michael David was farming and how they were definitely, you know, doing it the right way as far as yeah. he was concerned. They are. Um,
2: They're doing you know. it they they keep it organically farmed. They're not certified organic mm-hmm. right now cuz none of us are forcing them to go through the paperwork. We don't really label it. But they anything. are doing it in practice. But they are doing it in That's practice. That's the key. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a very old vineyard. We do have some vines that die back and have to replant. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin, his, who's managing it, he actually goes out there and makes sure that they're being hand-watered because there's no irrigation in the vineyard whatsoever. So if Wait
3: a minute. Okay. So I'm picturing a 25-acre vineyard. Yes. And you're saying hand-water. So either you have a pail or one of those like things you water your garden with where it comes out and goes I like, think or that's you okay, have okay. or you have used. the longest hose I've okay. ever seen in my life. <laughs> there <laughs> might
2: be, you know... A modern piece of equipment involved, right, exactly. called an ATV. So like a,
3: <laughs> and what do you do? You just have well, an ATV, ATV with a has hose. A,
2: has a big tank of water on the back, uh-huh. with a little hose that comes off, and then you wow. can drive through the vineyard. Wow! Very
1: bright. we got to we got to get you out in the vineyard yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> well,
2: yeah,
3: like if I don't see irrigation lines, I'm thinking if you're watering by hand, then you're that's a laborious process. That
2: would definitely it like. be. It's still a, a laborious
1: process yeah. with the guy on the ATV. Going up and down every row, you know. Yeah. To hit
3: everything. Yeah, I need a, I need a, some headphones and some good music. That that's like an all day
0: project. I'm sure you right can there. get the headphones yeah. if you want to go water by hand. You can get headphones. It's all hey, okay, Brian. Take me down. You know, before before we started recording, you and I were talking, Jillian, and um, reading a little background on you. There's a a, a quote that says that. Uh, you had been you held an associate winemaker position. First of all, you'd been working uh, and interning at wineries in Australia and South Africa. Then you had a uh, associate winemaker position at Bonnie Dune in the Central Coast. You've been blending plenty of your geeky and artistic interests as a technical winemaker may, maker for Lafort, a French uh, company. Yep. And then, essentially, in essence, quote unquote, she travels up and down the West Coast finding solutions for other winemakers' problems. And that Ouch. is that indeed is the job
1: Great. I want. <laughs> <do you> give- <laughs> I, what I got to say is I'm glad that you and I don't have to do business together. <laughs> And that's nothing personal. You right. understand what yeah. I mean? Yeah,
2: exactly. You're good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> nothing personal. It's just, but I mean, that is just one of like the coolest resumes I've ever heard. It's really uh, fun.
2: You know, I enjoy working for uh, LaFour, a French company, and we do winemaking products. You know, Wine is one of the last beverages out there that doesn't have an ingredient label on it.
3: Wait, and when is that going to become well, a thing?
2: You know, our government's not so organized right now. So some I, I some people people are pushing
3: for it. I know they want to see ingredient lists. Well, on some
1: people have some people have already adopted it. Right, Ridge has been doing it for a number of years. Oh, you're right. I think yeah. there's another handful of people out we, there doing it. Of course, those are also people who are doing it without anything, and well, because, you know, are, I mean, right. was, yeah. Well, Randall, well, we um, did it
2: at Bonnie Doon, yeah. so I was part of. I think I was one of the first yeah. winemakers to actually apply you know, send in a label for approval with an ingredient label on it. And I remember getting a kickback, you know, reject, revoke. We can't approve this label. It says you added tartaric acid. Huh? Like, have you looked at your guideline regulations? Tartaric acid is clearly stated on your approval list. So it just once again taught me how disconnected the people that are approving labels are from. Right. How did you work that out? Well, I sent in a copy of... Actually, I I then went to the full extent of, I'm going to explain and reference each ingredient and take it back to your chart. (laughs) And for a while, actually, they told me that they had my letter like stapled on the wall as the gold <laughs> standard for anybody else that sent in. Well, Good for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, because boring. you know
1: what the other option is? is The other option is you send it back and hopefully it goes in front of somebody else's desk mm-hmm. because there are stories in the wine business throughout where you know, you submit something and it's, you've been submitting it every year for the same, same thing, and it's always approved and then all of a sudden you know, rejected.
2: That, that happened with the uh, spelling of my senso. So the first vintage that I released under the Onesta label, sent it in with the L and totally approved. And then I switched winemaking facilities. And, of course, you have to then resend in the label for approval. And they rejected it and said you have to spell Senso without the L. So that's why on our labels we don't have an L.
0: How is the logical, what's the legal way to spell Senso? I thought it was with an L.
2: I haven't actually resent in the the label because we haven't moved. it. salt, so it's you know the French way of spelling it is with l, but uh, evidently our government and first there are people other that, people
3: that do. Yes, spell it with yes. l, and I've seen yeah. their labels. Right, they yeah. just, they had a good. Again, it's, very it's a matter of
1: whose <laughs> desk it goes across. <laughs> yes, you know, right? And, exactly. Um,
3: but wait, going back to the to the list of ingredients because I think this is important. That yeah. I I know. Um, there's been a little push to to put a list of ingredients on the wines, and because of just additives, and you're right, Bart. It's self if it's self-imposed, then the people who aren't adding things will add the ingredient list, and maybe that's the way it starts: is that people will put it out there, and then it becomes a hey, how come you don't have a list of ingredients on your bottle? What are you hiding, basically? Well, and the, and I
1: mean, the, and the thing about it is, is nobody wants to put to an earlier conversation activated charcoal you know, on their ingredients right. list. Right. And right. nobody wants to put PVPP and, right. and stuff like that. But the fact is, is it's all practical winemaking tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in both of my wa- jobs working at larger wineries, we used them all the time. And we've all had wines we've with all, had all of these wines things, that have right. all yep. these things used in them. Um, you know, they're all removed either by settling or by being filtered. Right. And so there's, it's 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 just a stylistic thing that winemakers either have to use or choose to use, and you know yeah. that's no different than a chef um, in his list of ingredients in the kitchen that you, we don't ever see what they're using. Yeah, you know we're sitting out in front.
2: So. You know before Randall, he went you know converted everything to biodynamic farming and biodynamic winemaking, but we still had some wines that were made in the conventional way. And those I had to put the ingredient labeling on. And I was definitely embarrassed, you know, nervous about, oh my gosh, nobody's going to buy these wines because it says tartaric acid, oak chips, you know, tannin. And how honestly... You, I,
3: sorry, I've never heard... Uh, how do you add tannin?
2: Oh, there's tannins that we have extracted. They all come from a source that you would naturally get them from. So but it's actual like must or something? something that's Yeah, left we can over get from... them from grape skin, grape seed... Uh, French oak, American oak.
3: Okay. And so you'd want to add it to red wines that are a little thin to add a little robustness Absolutely, or Yes. To the wine. And, and Interesting. And can help, okay. Uh, I didn't know that.
2: Boost aging potential for the wines as right. well. Antioxidants. Right. Jillian, you just. Oh, need wait. To let, set... me get, let me finish this one thing. So Please. I was very nervous, but in the tasting room, you know, we released the wines with the ingredient labeling on it, and the consumers didn't really notice. If you think about it, everybody. Everything that you buy in the grocery store has an ingredient list on it, and it's not keeping people from purchasing food. Majority
1: of folks. Now, were you there during the time that they were experimenting with Velcro?
2: I came in on the tail end, yes. Okay. So okay. it was already in, in-house. Okay. It was referred Wait, to explain as the that Bart Death Star. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds sinister.
3: <laughs> Velcro? Velcro. Yeah, sounds like a, some Velcro. sort of arch, oh, since, arch, since arch you enemy. you do
1: know a little something mm-hmm. about it more than I, I only know it in you know, reference, but could you talk about it a little bit?
2: Yes, we uh, we called it the Death Star. Whoa. <laughs> yes. It's It, it, is. Uh, you, you it hit pretty it much is. <laughs> it's, it's a tool that winemakers use if you don't want to filter your wines and still have stability security post bottle. Mm-hmm. So it's added in, I don't even remember the chemical compound, but it basically will kill any sort of live cell and it breaks down into a tiny bit of ethanol and a little bit of is it CO2 or peroxide? I can't remember. I think it's I think it's
1: I think it's peroxide.
2: I think it's peroxide, but,
1: yeah. But the what you put into it when you read about it you go, I don't want that in my wine, but it has no sh- no no half life or no shelf life. It has no half life, I guess. So it breaks down very very quickly and it essentially sterilizes the wine. Right. Okay. But and it's been used in fruit processing for years. But um, why wouldn't ju- I'm sorry, fruit juice processing, like, you know, any sort of live nectar and something that's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but they started. A few people started trying it in wineries. Um, uh, Randall, I think, was one of the first that brought any any um, brought it to the world because we all heard about it, right? Right. But then it's just so ironic. Then later, a few years down the road, Randall's changed to biodynamics, which is <laughs> like talk about t- t- turning full circle.
3: He saw the light. He
1: he obviously. But
3: with that Velcro stuff, don't most people just like hit the wine with sulfur, or is that that wouldn't do?
2: It because uh, that's more preservative instead s- of an sulfur works to a certain extent. You really do need filtration to remove britanomyces, Okay, um, Acetobacter. So, it's just an extra insurance if you're not going to filter. Okay, yeah. But if you're okay. if you're doing sterile filtering on on the bottling line, you don't need it.
3: Yeah, the fact that you named it the Death Star, though, I think that was probably a uh, good marketing
1: on your part. Well, it was really.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it's so it's dimethyl dicarbonate, C four H six O five. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it was all the it was all the talk um, when I was you know whatever year they started using it, and I'm like, you just couldn't believe people would use it, but it obviously work
2: it works and it breaks down very fast and i've
1: never met anyone who's used it so that's why sorry <laughs> to put you on the spot
2: we had to tell the the guys so if we were bottling on a friday and we'd always give the bottling crew wine to take home you know for a great great week of bottling we would say don't open this until monday you know you can't drink it over the weekend <laughs>
3: Try telling me that. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> going to say how That's many right. worked. On Five that. minutes after I drive away, I've got that bottle
1: open. <laughs> yeah. okay. so
2: there's like a forty-eight hour window when you're not supposed to drink the wine after oh Velcro's at it. Okay, all
1: right. So, so we dove pretty deep there. Um, let's go back to the rose. <laughs> well, we should say graduation. that we love Randall Graham and yeah, love we Bonnie Doon. Absolutely.
3: It, um,
2: and oh, I learned so yeah. much from working with Randall yeah. and everything that we experimented with. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, great wines, great labels, Rhone centric. I mean,
2: he's yeah. really by inspiration for for the Rhone Rhone yeah. brand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, can you talk a little bit about the winemaking? Sorry, John, um, on the rosé, and then could you also uh, maybe uh, clarify what um, what Onesta um, stands for?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Onesta is Italian for truth and honesty. It's how I live my life. And how I make my wines, So they're true to each vineyard and true to each vintage. So they're not going to be the same exact wine every year. I, uh, there's a Mark Twain quote that really speaks to me. And it is, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything.
3: Yeah, I need that.
2: Right? <laughs> right. How easy is life? You I know? can't remember
3: anything. I have to tell the <laughs> truth or I'm screwed.
2: <laughs> so that's a little background for Onesta. I uh, the rosé going back to the Bechtold Vineyard. There's one side of the vineyard is bordered by a cement-lined aqueduct, and cement is actually porous, and the soil at the Bechtold Vineyard is almost like walking through the beach. It's very very sandy, and so it's you know water can seep through very easily. So the vines that are planted on that the side where the water aqueduct is, those get a lot of water. It seeps through the cement into the sand and just gives those vines water all throughout the growing season. And you can see they're they're definitely much bigger than the other vines further away. And they produce a lot more fruit, and it doesn't necessarily color up because the crop load is so heavy. So that whole side of the vineyard is marked for rosé production.
1: And so do you have to take, like, if you want some of the... for red production you gotta take a little bit of the rosé as a kind of a? No,
2: it's funny it's shifted (laughs) over the years it was that way so if you like I have a a three acre block with my name on it right and it used to be every winery had that same thing and you had a red portion and your rosé portion right now people are fighting over the rosé. Oh, is that <laughs> yes, right? Yes, awesome. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it used to be you can't get rid of your rosé fast enough, but people are fighting over the rosé Ro- section. So Ro-
1: rosé rages on, man. I Rosé all day. Yeah.
2: So for for our rosé, the uh, it's basically fifty percent saunier and fifty percent rosé harvested just for rosé. Cool.
3: But will you explain that for people that don't know what that means? Saunier? Yeah.
2: So on the red harvest. The Senso berries are very big. They almost look like a table grape, which makes it excellent for producing rosé or very light-colored red wines. So in order to get a more concentrated red wine, you can bleed off a certain percentage of the juice. So it's all about your skin-to-juice ratio. Because in red wine production, the pulp is white, on those red grapes and all your color and tannins and mouthfeel components are in the skins.
1: And, and understand that that is, that is just a characteristic of senseo. Um, and, right. um, wherever you go, senseo it's, it's big berries and that's just, that is what it is.
2: Right. And in so. a younger vineyard senseo will produce up to, you know, 10 to 12 tons an acre, <laughs> which again is great for the farmer.
3: Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's big. Really what is- huge. What is pinotage like? I've never seen the clusters of pinotage. They're Are they big? big? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So it's a cross of pinot and Sansot, but you have nice big fat Absolutely. berries. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. And okay. it ripens early, like sensio. Hmm. Huh. Yeah.
1: Um. So, uh, and then it's all stainless steel fermented.
2: It's there's about fifteen percent neutral barrel fermentation okay. because because I like to add a creaminess nice mouthfeel there's no residual sugar uh, and yeah i just like that creaminess and, texture. and i, I heard yeah.
1: you sharing some top winemaking secret with john but i wasn't i didn't quite hear it all so i'm going to ask this about stirring that you're stirring the leaves
2: oh this is a, a process i keep referring to it as a new process but it's actually a very old process called stabulation what yes i know it sounds like stabilization but it's stabulation when I first heard this word, I thought that's too violent for wine." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's the process of holding the juice cold on the juice For how long? So, for anywhere from four days to four weeks, this is a very popular uh, process in Provence for making these. The rosés that they're producing right so now. So
1: pre-fermentation. It's
2: pre-fermentation. So and
1: so you're chilling them down to 45 degrees or something. If
2: you can chill it down to 32, mm. then that's when you can really do that four-week stabulation oh, four process. Four weeks. Yes. Wow. Four weeks. I, I
1: somehow missed that
2: part. That's, who has time, a room you... in their cellar to do this process?
3: What? Is is there a danger of getting a banana flavor in the wine? No, when
2: you're that's doing that? that's produced from the yeast. Okay. Oftentimes. So okay. this is before yeast. Yeah, whole okay. idea. Oh, this is before this yeast. This is before
1: yeast. Okay, So, okay. so you know, um, Argyle Winery up in Oregon used to do a process where they, had, they would pick Chardonnay, and they would hold it in tank, and then they had these tanks that were insulated with uh, styrofoam BBs, and they would keep it down to like 32 degrees, and they would ferment it as they needed it. Is what oh, they used yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, I never. I don't know if they, under... they probably
2: didn't hold it on the juice leaves.
1: Probably not on the leaves. Yeah. but so anyway. To go back to your point so the, about being on the yeah, leaves. the whole
2: idea. It's very similar to surly aging. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where we're stirring the wine on the yeast leaves. Mm-hmm. So you stir on the yeast leaves to break up those yeast cells. The nerdy term is autolysis of the yeast cells. So you're getting out all the manoproteins, and those manoproteins give that silky. You know, long finish to the wine. Uh, the juicelys are a little different. What we're finding that you extract from the juicelys is more of a, like a grapefruit, passion fruit aroma precursors. Wow. Thiols, what we call them. Thiols. So. Those of you
3: out there that thought, you know, we just crushed grapes and <laughs> put it into a bottle, <laughs> I think Jillian's gonna teach you a little lesson today that winemakers are crazy.
2: We're crazy, and I'm fortunate. The French company I work for has a really awesome research and development team. Yeah, you have know, really cool lab equipment, rubbish. machines to analyze and all this right. stuff. And, and by crazy,
3: I mean crazy. I love when winemakers talk like this because I know that <laughs> they're they're so into what they're doing that you kind of you feel good about drinking their wine because <laughs> you know it's, it's well
1: yeah I mean Jillian's probably one of the more technical um, right. winemakers we've had on you know I mean Dave yeah. Ramey got pretty geeky with us and, right oh, he could, um, yes. yeah and mm-hmm. Richard Arrowood um, also but um, yeah you're doing a good job there's a this is going to be some good conversation <laughs> I, and
3: this. I always think of Paul Hobbs like that too because just because I had done a lot of events at, <clears throat> excuse me at, at Paul Hobbs as a caterer and and I could tell by the way everything was such in the kitchen when we would go caner, <laughs> they'd actually put down paper on the floors and then every little sugar caddy had like exactly six of this and six of that. Oh, and I thought precise. I I, wa- I knew yeah. that that sort of precision went into the winemaking as well. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I don't actually do the stabulation for my rosé. Oh, no.
3: never mind then.
1: Okay. I know. <laughs> Because I was looking for <laughs> grapefruit and passion fruit immediately, right. and I actually got some passion fruit out of it, so the, um it's a lovely wine. It the really style is. that I'm
2: making is more of guava, a little bit more tropical,
1: okay uh, yep,
2: and again, I do a little surly aging, so post fermentation stirring on the leaves to get that mouth feel so on
1: those old on the neutral yeah, barrels This
2: is a richer version of like a more serious rose, I guess mm-hmm. than what we're seeing out there now with those very light colored. Tutti-fruity, right. crushed Ac- by the pool.
1: Yeah, fruit and acid. Fruit well, and I,
3: acid. Would, I can tell you that I would still crush this by the pool. Oh, excellent. Good. Okay. <laughs> I, d- I don't think you're <laughs> too savvy for me. <laughs>
2: Fabulous. Okay. Is it it's patio pounder? Yeah, I've always loved Jillian's Rosé. and
3: This is, you know, no
1: different. It's good it's, stuff. It's incredible.
2: And we only yeah. make about 250 cases of it, so. Yeah. Not a whole lot.
1: Yeah. And then so the Grenache Blanc... Grenache Blanc. On to the next wine.
2: Yeah, Grenache Blanc. So, I first, when I first left uh, Bonnie Dune Vineyards, I took as much of the Bechtold Vineyard fruit as I could afford at the time, which was four tons, and that kind of led me to Lodi. Okay. And then over the next couple years, I was introduced to Marcus Bokish, Uh who is just such an amazing man. He just lights up as he walks through the vineyard. He's so passionate about grape growing. Mm, and Marcus,
1: he, if you're listening, we're going to have to get a hold of you. <laughs> yeah. No, or let's go back. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah okay, good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back. Brian yeah. wants a road trip. Yeah. I loved it down there.
2: And he's got a fantastic tasting room, winery setup. Yeah. He's doing great. Good. And so I was introduced to, to Marcus and saw that he had Grenache Blanc planted and definitely wanted some of that. He didn't have any available the first year, so I worked with his organically farmed Viognier, mm. and that was just beautiful. I still have a couple cases left on, online for sale of the Viognier, which is still holding up, and it's a 2013, which is remarkable. But nice. Viognier has a way of doing that. Back to the Grenache Blanc. So he has a vineyard. It's called uh, the Clay Station Vineyard. Internally, we call it the Los Colinas the hills vineyard. It's actually located closer to like the Sacramento County line. So north north Lodi. So
1: is it still e- okay, it's, so is it still east Lodi? It's east Lodi. So it's northeast Lodi. Northeast Lodi. So is it um, let's see how my reference goes. Is it near Dogtown or is that farther Oh, I'm not sure. Where... Dog Patch or Dogtown? Dog, dog Patch. Dog Patch. Was that what I'm it not was? sure if I know. Okay, what let's let's patch down. It's, it's near Galt. <laughs> It's near Galt.
2: It's okay. near Galt, yes, okay. Okay. or so in Galt. And the soil profile there is just spectacular. It's, you know, when you're driving to Tahoe and you see those red hills, yeah. it's definitely got like a red hue to oh, it. Oh, really? Yes. How interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's just beautiful soil, high in minerality, uh, low in nutrients. So Grenache Blanc is a gigantic vine. It's a monster, and it produces very large clusters there's a theme here. Can you tell I like large clusters? Yeah. And I cannot lie. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did you see the cluster on her? Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so and the canopy is big enough that, you know, the way the viticulture, the way the farming is, it, the canopy drapes over the fruit, so it really shades it from the warmer sun. Right. And it just looks like golden clumps out there on the on the on the vines it's beautiful and i'm trying to make it in a style of the white wines of the amalfi coast wow it's where my husband and i honeymooned so we just fell in love with greco de tufo
0: right falangina is that where this grape comes
2: from i don't think so no but just the style of wine and you know we were sitting on the beach one day and Yuri looks over and he says, "Can you make our Grenache Blanc taste like this?"
1: (laughs) Yes, dear.
3: Yes, honey. Absolutely.
1: That's great. So this is all stainless steel fermentation. Can I get whatever grapes I want? (laughs) I have more toys.
2: (laughs) But all stainless steel fermentation. A little bit of uh, lees stirring. It it, it's definitely high acid. Does better with some bottle aging. Kind of let that bottle bouquet come out. It's and this is the what 2015.
1: Think? Yeah, wow. I mean, it's tasting delicious. Yeah, it's uh, round and beautiful, and you know, smooth and. And that's what I think she's totally talking round. about
3: with the Campania wines. The it's, my wife and I did the same thing. We did Amalfi Coast, Rome, and Naples, and and I fell in love with Falangina and Greco de Tufo. Mm-hmm. First time I'd seen what is it, San Bernard, Bernard, Bernardino or. And, Ma- uh, Master Barardino or something, one of those. So I found it in like every little corner market uh-huh. that we went to, and we're, I was just buying that every night. Nice. And what I loved about the wines is they had great acidity, but also had a nice, really nice mouthfeel to them. It wasn't like right. you were drinking this super lean thing. It was a complex wine with a lot of acidity, right. which I exactly. love. Right, so I, I'm totally down.
2: And that sea mist minerality kind of right.
3: character, which yeah. Yeah.
2: comes through from this vineyard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah.
2: yeah, Beautiful
1: wine. Yeah, Thank how much you. of this
3: do you make?
2: This is around 200 cases.
0: Order now. Right. That's the idea.
1: Order <laughs> now. everybody. So um, where are you doing your custom crush at? I see one was Napa and another I think was a Mendocino County. Are you, are you kind of spread out or are you all under one roof for your...
2: For Onesta, I'm all under one roof. For okay. many years, I was custom crushing at Bouchain Vineyards. Mm-hmm. So the wines that we're tasting today were all made in that facility. Okay. Wonderful facility to work with. Yeah. Uh, my working with Lodi fruit and the earlier ripening mm-hmm. fruit kind of um, came at the same time as a lot of their Pinot harvests. So Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so they were trying to not have as much conflict sure. during that time. So sure. I've moved out to a new place called Miocene, and that's down in American Canyon. Oh, okay. And there's just cool. a couple of us there, and they have some really, really good equipment. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. plonk yeah. to stemmer. Yeah. You know.
1: And it's nice when there's not a when it's not a chaotic, crush, custom crush right. place, you know.
2: And I get to go in and do a lot of the hands-on work, yeah. which other places aren't so keen about oh, with yep, insurance right. and whatnot. So right.
3: Well, it's, it's nice you get a, if you're getting a lot of low stuff. Are you pretty much picking before most people?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm the first in.
3: Yeah. That's good. You get winery, in there; all yeah. the equipment's clean. <laughs> right. It hasn't been used in nine months. People
2: are kind of bored. They're but waiting, see, you know, for y- the excitement. You know, the yeah. other
1: thing is that for you, harvest is just as crazy for you. Plus, you have your own wine. Where, like, some of the barrel salesmen, they go around and bring beer to the wineries, and you know, some of them go on a vacation. But in your job, you must have people calling all the time, saying, all "Can you time. bring me this now?"
2: All the time, <laughs> or panic mode. Right, my juice is brown. What do I do
1: now? <laughs> right, because yeah. you are a consultant in that way, also. Yes. Yeah. Therapist. Yeah. Troubleshooter.
0: <laughs> Troubleshooter. I like That's the true. term therapist on there. Uh, seriously, I'm sure you have to use that.
3: Talk them down yes. off the ledge, and Ab- then absolutely. oh, yeah, I mean, tell them what you can yeah. do for them. Yeah.
2: Yep. We joke that I'm, I'm the 1-800 <laughs> helpline for for winemakers, especially during harvest.
3: Well, and if, let's just put it out there for winemakers that want to get a hold of you in that way. Um, <laughs> instead of going through your Onesta website, how can they get a hold of you?
2: Oh, through, through the Lafour website. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. My email, jillian.johnson at dot Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Pretty easy.
1: No cell phones over, right. the, uh, over the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's
0: all okay, believe me. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> I saw that somebody wrote to Sam this week. And said, you know, you guys talk a lot about converting land from standard practices to uh, organic practices. How long does it take? What exactly do I do? Where do I learn how to do it? We want to go organic and was this
3: well in specific
0: reference to Melanie down...
3: No, it was okay. in, oh, okay.
1: just in, in the fact that... I the, guess I missed that. They um, inherited
0: that some yeah. land
1: uh-huh. and wanted
0: to change the practices. Yeah.
1: So they well, did write
0: to Sam this week. It, it, Interesting. it
1: starts off with three years of just you know, pulling the uh, band-aid off of, uh, you know, no, no herbicides um, and um, a lot of paying attention to what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, like Phil said, we need to think about, um, what was the term he used talking about not just not doing anything to your land, but actually regenerative farming. farming. Yes, regenerative farming. It's a very cool term, and it means a lot. Yeah, and that's what, you know, I've been asking Sam to get a hold of the guy from Stemple Creek who knows a lot about the uh, carbon farming. And get him on the show and talk about that.
3: Stemple Creek is that a, they do
1: meats, right? He's the beef guy, yeah. But okay. he's really gotten a lot of recognition for this this um, carbon farbing. So actually, you know, p- what he's growing is going back into the earth and actually producing carbon, which is what we're missing. So it's it, you you can look it up. It's out there. Um, it's um, becoming something. But um, but Lawrence has become quite the. Uh, he's been kind of on the forefront of it. So huh anyway.
2: Yeah, I I was, you know, part of the Doon converting. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen it in South Africa when I was working down there, um, working with a German winemaker who studied biodynamics mm-hmm. and we were converting a very small farm from vineyard, which was basically a vineyard with a beautiful estate and a rose garden and you yeah. know, pristine and ripped out the rose garden, brought in some cows and just started farming biodynamically organically and one of the the easiest ways to tell if it's working is your earthworm content in your soil yeah Yeah. so even in backyard farming if you have part of your yard where you've been using some sort of herbicide for a while and you'll see that there's not much not many earthworms there even within one year of just applying compost and Working with the soil, the earthworms will come. Yeah,
1: I mean yeah. it's 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 an interesting conversation. You know, just recently they announced that um, city of Napa has outlawed. Um, uh roundup type products herbicides but it is only for you know city properties public use, and yeah. public use places well, but it's good. a step it's in a a step in the right direction yeah. you know sonoma talked about it i don't know if they actually committed to uh, it or they not they did
0: but i think it's also again just public um, park area yeah. um i think um, by the side of the road they can still do exactly what they want
1: but you know it's interesting my my mom's side of the family has a dairy um out in uh, valley ford um they're third or fourth generation now. And my, um, uncle, uh, Rocky was always just a, just a dairyman, you know, and they good come, name for a dairyman. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, he asked him once he goes, should we plant <laughs> grapes out here? I said, no, you shouldn't plant grapes out here. You know, <laughs> you know, you guys, it's, it would have been, it would have been a stretch for them. But, and, and in fact, there's some amazing vineyards out by where they're at and maybe that some other generation will start it. But what they did do is they converted to an organic dairy. And um, and it took them some time, and it took them to get used to it. But in their case, it was the way that they could actually start making money, because the organic milk, because yeah. of clover became so right. um, uh, popular. So yeah. um, clovers but, you know, everywhere. We need we, we need changes like that, you know, to really kind of. Do, do you guys it. all? We need Diageo to say or or Constellation start say they're going to start farming without Roundup.
2: Right.
0: That would be interesting. Do you look for organic or non-GMO? Uh, the stickers on everything you buy? Uh, I
3: can tell you I can stand up right away and answer that question because if I bring anything that's um, GMO into the house that ends up in my daughter's lunch which I make every morning my wife will have my head.
0: So you're saying that you look for <laughs> the stickers, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I do. Um, yeah.
2: I do, yeah. but do Oreos count? Well, you can,
3: you can so get, there's ones that, there's ones that, um, I think it's Trader Joe's that are um, like all organic, non GMO. Yeah, they're not as good. Or, I know, but they're close. <laughs> <laughs> they're close, and then you, you survive the night.
0: <laughs> I did a lot of work in the cookie industry, and I can guarantee that Oreos are. The number one cookie in America, and everybody loves them just the way they are.
3: I don't like them. I don't like the way it leaves this film on the top of my mouth from whatever that's lard or whatever crap it is. That's <laughs> and it in is there. lard. Sorry, no? or
0: it certainly was. Nope. I mean, everything has changed the
1: last Sorry, probably, probably not years. It's probably I'm against not Nabisco today. Sorry, than. not going to do it. That's so okay. let's <laughs> move on to a beautiful <laughs> Censeo, yes. also from the back. is what I've been vineyard. waiting for.
2: There you go. This one is farmed organic. Peel it back in. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for adding. What vineyard does this come from? This is from the Bechtold Vineyard. Oh, yeah, this good. is okay. this
3: is what we've been talking about. This is what you get at the Girl in the Fig. Yeah, you and go. you said you're. Are you currently pouring this uh, by the glass at the Girl in the Fig? Yes, this is by the glass.
0: Of Girl no, and I don't the want fig. you to put in my spit in the glass. I'm
2: sorry.
3: <laughs> and Jillian, how did you come up with that cool little symbol for the O on Onesta?
2: Oh, the symbol—it's this really fun Celtic symbol. You know, it was kind of. I thought about, it was a compass think about how do you describe how do you put a visual to truth and honesty you know the white label you know the background definitely helps and then I was just looking through symbols and this Celtic symbol is awesome (laughs) it's the it's four circles and they're connected by a fifth circle so it's really all about balance so the four circles can be the four elements the four seasons and then the fifth element brings everything into balance
0: truth honesty and virtue beautiful so for us that were we talking about virtue <laughs> it says that's <laughs> Wait, it's right here man yeah. truth honesty and virtue oh okay well i like the virtuous
2: virtuous okay so the four circles were Onesta, it's really the weather so mother nature the vines the soil and then cellar aging and then i'm the big O. Yeah, I was wondering if that was that you. That brings That's everything cool. together. <laughs> awesome. And it kind of ties back in, in uh, what was it, kindergarten? <sighs> kindergarten, I was uh, nicknamed Miss O for obstinate. Wow. wow. I know. So no. it all ties back to kindergarten How did for make me. that you uh, <laughs> feel? Are you an
3: only child? <laughs> no. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Were you the baby? Eldest. No, I'm the oldest. Oh, eldest. you're the oldest. Yes. But wow. she was okay. the most
1: obstinate. Wait, what does being an only child have to do with being obstinate? What,
3: Bart, you and I both have only Children, so do I, and it's okay. And it, so, so no, no, but I <laughs> am an only
1: child, so that's what I'm. It's concerning me that you kind of <laughs> are you. You're used to the world <laughs>
3: revolving around you.
1: Right. Oh, I, don't
3: think I, I know that's all. the way it works in my house. At least my
0: daughter has figured that out.
3: <laughs> well, with you with figured
0: myself. it out, Jillian? Obviously did. Bart hasn't. I guess I did too. I tried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm obstinate also. No, the so world revolves
1: around me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world definitely revolves around. No, day. I
0: I love the label Jillian, and I love
3: how you said the. You specifically thought about having the white label and like I mean j- just every degree that there's levels to okay. everything and and you seem to take
0: things to another level.
2: I'll try to think it through, yeah,
0: yeah. I love that thank you <laughs> you know we talked to a lot of people about their labels, and you know Peter Mathis his uh, yeah. stoner college roommate did his, uh, you know, 20-some <laughs> years ago. Well, I mean, that's his term. Um, you know, and, and he's he's kept it, and he's expanded on it. Uh, you know, we see people who, well, we've seen the uh, latest round from um, imagery in Benziger. Now I've seen that not, not only on the Sauvignon Blanc, it's across the entire line of imagery grocery store products now.
1: Well, that's the, no, so... So those that that's just four wines, that is imagery that thing. Yeah. Okay. Um and that's the nationwide thing. And then but the, you know, the, I will say that and the they new the new bit. Benziger label um I think is quite beautiful. Um as much as I have disdain for the new imagery label. The new Benziger label's is um, really beautiful. It's uh, it's a circle. And within the circle, there's all sort of like references to the rising sun or the moon, um, uh, to the earth. You know, I mean, they are still the wine group is still farming. You know, they're still using their sustainability um, uh, farming practices. And oh, so, um, so they're so stealing they're... from
0: Jillian, the circles
1: know. and this. Well, I, I got to a... check this out. Yeah, though. it's a single <laughs> circle. It's it's a, it's a nice looking label. It's it's and it's kind of relevant. So. Um, it's a nice update for them. Okay,
3: That's I some just some tried one. the Sanso. Can we talk about it a little yes, bit? Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the Sanye process, or what mm-hmm. we call bleeding. Mm-hmm. So that happens right as we harvest. And then it's very simple winemaking after that. Sanso actually ferments much like a Pinot Noir. It ferments very fast. So I will sometimes see a, you know, an eight-unit or eight-bricks drop overnight. When, wow. when we start fermentation, I do use yeast, um, so it's not a wild wild yeast fermentation, and it generally sits on skins, I find, between three and four weeks, so it's an extended um, skin contact time. So
1: it's it, is it that the fermentation slows down, or is that you lock it up and I, just leave it alone? I lock
2: it up. I do you know one short wet the cap mm-hmm. pump over each day, and just trying to get more body, more texture from those skins, right. Since it's and, such yeah. a fast, rapid, crazy fermentation.
1: Right. Try to get it to. F- I, know, I know sometimes I find wait you're waiting for it to fill in. Yes. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah it was. Well, it's, it's lovely wine, and and. Um, it, it's so, so unique in flavor. Um, and I've never really, um, I guess because I've tasted so few since those, I don't have a lot of points of reference, so this has kind of become my point of reference.
0: Yours um, is the only one I, well, Frick has Frick one. Frick and also. Turley. <clears throat> so those, know, those yeah. are the only two that I've had, and I've only had them down at the Girl and the Fig.
2: You know, it's, it's really fun, a fun variety in terms of it's lighter bodied. Um, I usually describe it for but people nice that don't, dark color. yeah, that don't know what senso is. I describe it as you get the elegant texture and weight of a pinot, but more of the fruit forward attitude of a zinfandel, mm-hmm. and that's in the warmer, riper years where the fruit forward zin character comes out. Thirteen was just a perfect growing season for Lodi. It was much cooler, bigger tannin development. I actually get more of that Rhone white pepper. A little bit of meatiness mm-hmm. from from this vintage, whereas the twelve was really more juicy, fruity. You know, kind of almost like stewed plum. How many
1: cases and of this do you make?
2: Around four hundred.
1: And what does this retail for?
2: This retails for thirty-five.
1: A
0: steal.
3: Um, can we talk about what it's like out there having Rhone varietals and trying to get on by the glass list at restaurants?
2: It's it's a challenge for yeah. sure. You know, I. have Feel very thankful that there's Girl in the Fig that is right. devoted to Rhone, but yeah. but yeah, it's it's not easy out there. Most most restaurants want Pinot Noir, Cabernet, your more mainstream varieties, where yeah. the staff doesn't have to necessarily work as hard to explain. You know the wines that I make are educational. God forbid right. somebody
0: <laughs> should have to explain about right. a wine right. when, when you're asking about it. Yeah, They almost have that. to come
2: with a tech sheet. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. tasting notes right on the bottle. Yeah. But I imagine
3: it's just a matter of getting in there, expl- you know, explaining who you are and then just getting it in their mouths.
2: Yes. And once I once if you if you can get the staff, the servers on board and they realize how fun the wine is and that it actually sells pretty easily. because yeah. price point, you know, but you just have to make sure that they're comfortable talking about it. Right. Yeah. Well,
3: and they see the look on their customer's face when they are drinking the wine. Right. Right. This is a beautiful wine. I love the length on it. I love the juiciness to it. I love the flavors. I mean,
1: so are you guys self-distributed, um, or do you have? Are you working with some?
2: Brokers? We are self-distributed. We're selling wow. mostly online right now. Okay. We're, we're kind of moving towards online, and we have a wine club. So the the Livo Nesta Wine Club.
1: Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we do. We might even get somebody to sign up right. for it.
2: We do <laughs> two shipments a year, and we're doing four wines. So today we're tasting. Three of the wines, four of the wines, actually. So in the springtime we do senso two ways. So you get the rose and the senso that we're tasting right now. And some fun recipe cards and we do have Who does those? I well, I make them. I do okay. the I pick the recipes and write the tasting notes and then Grady Seibert, who I work with, he does the design part of it. Okay. I used to just print them out on regular, you know, like glossy printer paper and he said no 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 we gotta we gotta step this up so <laughs> of course <laughs> he's making me a little bit more formal in my wine club <laughs> uh, and then in the winter so right after Thanksgiving we actually do the second club shipment and that is our Grenache Blanc and the second wine is a red wine we do Petit Syrah or Syrah I kind of bounce back and forth depending on, on the vintage. So I can't remember
3: ever trying your Syrah.
2: Well, I just released one last December, okay. but I only made 25 cases, a very, very small amount. I really want Ooh. to try it now. And where is that from? <laughs> it's from Mendocino. Okay. Yeah, from Julie Golden. You went vineyard. the other direction. I know. There's some good fruit up in Mendocino. Yeah, yeah, really? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's and amazing. Now, everybody is starting to look a different spot we were over in napa the other day we're talking about lake county and how just one person going up there and sourcing fruit legitimizes the fact that hey lake county's got some damn good fruit let's all go
1: up there um and now now mendocino will be flooded so well it's well mendocino's been you know doing a really good job for a long time as is lake county it was it was in reference to um Beckstoffer. Beckstoffer, yeah. going to Lake County, how it yeah. raised the bar yeah. up in Lake County for grape growers. Um, so, yeah, you're right, John. And and Mendocino's, you know, I mean, Mendocino's been farming organically probably the most acreage um, than any other area around. Hippies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. it might be. Totally. Honestly, it <laughs> might be. for, totally. right, Honestly, for, a, might for be. a long it's, time, it, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's probably probably primarily thanks to the Fetzer family because— um, right. They would buy your grapes if you farmed them organically. Yeah. It was basically yeah. at, at their heyday. So, um.
0: was Fetzer the first one to ask and demand that?
1: Um, I I, uh, I don't know because there were other organic wineries up there. I mean, the Fetzers go back, I think, to the '60s. So. I don't know, John, I'd have to sit in front of the computer and, and reference that. My my brain's yeah. not quite
0: there. I well, won't make you do that. Yeah.
3: Well now what uh, Campo Vita took over the Fetzer property, correct? Well yeah. And, Sebastian and Donatello? S- uh, Sebastian Donaso and that now he's at Bonterra right. um, and making some great wines there. Um and one of the most beautiful vineyards. Bart and I stopped there on the way back from Mendocino.
1: Yeah. And that was the that was the property that Jim Fetzer actually planted, and that was what was Ciego. And now Jim has moved to Lake County. He's right on the lake, and he moved Ciego up there. But mm-hmm. Ciego was like the first, like, this is the way a biodynamic vineyard uh, can uh, be if you're willing just to throw everything at I it. I know. It's amazing uh, that you're in right. that
3: vineyard. It's, it's I mean, it's what you imagine kind of like in a movie what a
0: vineyard looks like. I mean, everything right. is just perfect. Perfect. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. So Yeah. No, if it's a, if it's too perfect, Sam won't like it. Well, <laughs> well I think his dad will though. On the his other hand, if it's organic, that's there you go. Yeah. So uh this is beautiful wine. Mm-hmm. It's just, thank you. The flavoring here is just perfect. I mean, you know, it's a beautiful color, it's very intense, it's very rounded tan, it's nothing's obtuse here whatsoever. This is
3: no, and what I love about it, John, is because like, I don't I don't drink a lot of red wine, and those you know whoever follows my Instagram account can see that I I drink primarily white wines, but and it's because of the sometimes you feel heaviness sometimes drinking red wines, and this is not like that, oh, definitely I, not. No. and and I think perfect temperature too on the wine right now. This is the way I would want to drink it at home. And it's it is a slight chill. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. And I it think
2: pairs so well with so many different foods.
1: Yeah. I
0: smell strawberries in here? Did anybody else get that out of here? I mean, yeah. it's just like into it. Yeah, so I Joan, know, right?
1: Um, so what do you guys drink at your house?
2: What do we drink at our house? What is, we're, know, we're mostly, we're big rosé fans. Okay. So we're drinking a rose lot of rosé. Yeah. Yep. Rosé. We actually do make a lot of cocktails. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, my husband sells barrels. So right. Yes, I, in, I did know that in the yeah. uh, cooperage business, and we have a fantastic spirit selection. So we do a lot of cocktails. Is he
1: selling more barrels to spirits people?
2: Not more than wine, but he right. does. Right. But he, b- yeah. but I mean,
1: in general, in general, the company
2: the company does. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sonoma has what two spirits companies now?
1: Um, Prohibition. Prohibition well, and ben Hanson. Hanson. Yeah. Groth family? Um, right? Yeah, that's Groth, there's Prohibition and then Hansen. And yeah, yeah there's a couple over in Petaluma and there's twenty five of them <laughs> in Santa Rosa. Really? <laughs> and yeah, they're they're popping um, up all over.
3: No, Julian, can we get back to your spirits yes. collection? <laughs>
1: you so what sort, spirits, no, what sort I, of
2: spirits? Yeah, yeah, I do. I so yeah, Brand how many how many different by.
3: bottles do you think you have of, of different alcohol? Oh man.
2: Oh, I'd say at least you
3: know 30 to 40 nice and nice. could good balance of uh white and brown stuff or yes absolutely. Okay. one of you is not like a total scotch fiend or something like that you just no, pretty much like it all we like it all and yeah. so you try and find stuff that's kind of cool different um well so what's your cocktail if you go home and you can have whatever you want your husband says let me make you something
2: it's usually a gimlet okay mm. right yeah. now i'm going through a gimlet right. phase. and what kind of vodka, vodka or gin it's gin gin okay. yeah. yeah
3: and what's your fave
2: Favorite gin for the Gimlet, because the lime really takes over, you know, so I just use Hendrix, something okay, just baseline, puke, you yeah. know, if I'm doing like a, a mixed cocktail like that. Have you ever had the St. George terroir? I have.
3: I really like that. And one.
2: that that deserves something much more subtle, because right. it has so much aromatics on yeah. its own. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Does anybody drink gin on the rocks like you do vodka on the no, rocks with nobody, limes? nobody. Okay. Nobody.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry,
0: I can state that because
3: I'm I'm on the floor understand. every night yeah. and I've never had any I don't think I can't remember I've ever had anyone order gin on the rocks. Yeah, it's always gimlet, gibson, um uh gin and tonic. Uh, but with these with these new tonics. with these oh and the yeah, well then the fever tree kind of st- yeah. stuff and the and the new tonics um
2: Wait, what
1: do you mean the so new tonics? Good. Are there are there craft tonics now? There are craft
2: tonics. Yeah. Are there really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lower in sugar, just better flavor. Oh, overall. really? Yeah.
3: If you haven't had Fever Tree, if you're into tonic or if you're into ginger beer and you haven't had Fever Tree products, then you're seriously missing out. And I'll get another plug out to Oliver's Market because I love Oliver's Market. But if you want Fever Tree products, you can go there and get pretty much every one of the products that they have. But Fever Tree was created by it was a gin maker, and I I think it was Plymouth. Okay. <clears throat> it was Plymouth Gin. And they were making a high-quality gin, and they said that there's no one out there on the market that's making a tonic that is good enough for our gin. We feel like there needs to be a better tonic. And so they just made a tonic. Exactly, and then yeah. other different lines. I think they do a bitter lemon, too, that's really good for certain applications. Ooh, I haven't tried um, that one. Yeah, well, over, you know, over the winter, I got more into spirits because I, it's cold. I crave brown liquor, so I was drinking bourbons and rice. Um, so getting a little more into the Manhattans and the old-fashioned. So, Absolutely. Uh, I think as I'm getting older, you know, I never used to be like that brown liquor guy. <laughs> now I'm like <laughs> that guy who's like, hmm, let me get an well, old
1: you know, it, or... it, <laughs>
2: It's relaxing. Well, it's, right.
1: It's funny. We used to always joke when you go on a sales trip is that there's the wine guys and then there's the booze guys uh-huh. and when you would go at the end of your week or your sales trips they'd have a general sales meeting so you'd, you'd been out with the wine guys all week and then on Friday it's everybody's there and you'd look and you'd go booze guy booze guy booze guy wine guy wine guy booze guy <laughs> you know <laughs> there's just yeah
3: I, when we have large parties when we have companies that come in and take over our our private dining room they um, you know they I it kills me when I, we have these really beautiful wines for them to try, and you have a guy that's, you know, he's drinking four, and they'll order doubles. <laughs> Let me get a double gin and tonic, and they'll order four of those instead of drinking some incredible wines that we have for him. But Yeah,
2: that's, that's heartbreaking. You
3: know, I the, know. The There's a time the, and a place, I the guess. The ad
0: industry is uh, all booze guys that's it i mean vodkas scotch is the best of course of liquor is everything. quicker
3: i think is the idea yeah. right i, I yeah. think so you yeah. know
0: i mean we'd we'd leave work and head down to the drake hotel the cape cod room everybody had the uh, you know a pitcher of, a pitcher of vodka on the table it was just okay pour your own and
1: a different t- version of bottle a service yes
0: vodka. absolutely you know like a big bowl yeah. of limes you just squeeze three or four limes in there yeah yeah wow amazing
3: that,
1: okay so how about, I knew about wine. something the opposite of, of of vodka let's try that petite Syrah. i know
0: which which we I,
3: did we talk about it when we were recording about the sarah spelling Or was that before we went on? That
2: was before we went on. Okay,
3: so Petite Syrah, normally P-E-T-I-T-E, and then S-I-R-A-H, correct? Yeah. But this one I noticed, Jillian has spelled it S-Y-R-A-H, like Syrah the grape. And so that sort of led to the conversation of, oh, it's, you know, like Syrah, is it a Rhone varietal, is it not a Rhone varietal? I think even Rhone Rangers, right, the organization... Does define it as a Rhone varietal at this point.
2: Yeah, if you do some well, research online, the they do. I, I believe they do, and a number of associations do. But you know, Petite Syrah is grown in a lot of different places. Yeah. Um, I am trying to stick with the, the Rhone theme for for my wine brands. That's why I spelled it with the traditional Rhone spelling instead of the correct. Well, Petite so so,
1: so here's a question. You mentioned earlier we were talking about the fact that your Simso does not have the L, um, uh, because that's the way the TTB wanted it. Right. When you sent across Petite Syrah, S Y R A H, did they question they had that at all? No problem with they had it. No qu- problem with it at all. Hmm. Interesting.
3: Yeah, Beverly was working that day. Right,
1: you know it's <laughs> what they, it was a Friday afternoon. You right. know they used to always say you Just never wanted a Cadillac that was made on Friday afternoon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I know why. <laughs> so, Jillian, where are you getting the fruit from? So for this the is my meal?
2: deviation from Lodi. Was this yeah. I have been making some wines for another label at at Trace Saboris for for a number of years, and gotten to know Julie Johnson there. And no,
3: uh, no relation.
2: Right. Actually, okay. my mom's name is Julie Johnson. Wow, weird. I know. So occasionally, I'll call the wrong person in my <laughs> in my phone, text Julie Johnson, the winemaker, something about you know family business. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she does a beautiful petit sera, and she introduced me to um, some vineyard possibilities up in Calistoga. So it was through that avenue, and and my husband's favorite variety is Petit Syrah. So he he asked Interesting. if I could make him a oh. Petit Syrah. So again, you know, here he is asking for things.
3: Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm he gets following through. Yeah. <laughs> but, but do you
1: get a good deal on
2: barrels? I have a feeling get this, a entire, great deal <laughs> on barrels.
3: this entire show is just for her husband <laughs> <laughs> to listen in on and see. Oh, what he's
2: going to love this. <laughs> so Can we
3: give him a shout out?
2: To...
0: Well, if someone wants to buy barrels, you well, know, know. Say, Hi. yeah. well,
3: <laughs> not
2: high, honey. Give him his. Uh, my husband's name is Yuri De Leon, so actually, my full name now is officially Jillian Johnson De Leon. I've taken on his surname. Mr. De Leon. Mr. De Leon. Cheers. Cheers, Yuri. Um, so yeah, I made two barrels worth. Of well, wait a minute. We have to
1: say sera. who he sells barrels for.
2: World cooperage. There you go. Okay. T. Okay. W. Boswell. Yes. Yeah. There
1: we go. We just want to make sure, you know, people... people we want to make
3: him happy, too. It seems like you're making him happy. We feel like oh, we good. need to make him happy. Thank, okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
0: It's a group thing, you know. You mentioned American John, oak. John, you just made it weird. No, nah, I'm sorry. You mentioned American oak earlier. Um, I, I don't know that I've heard anybody <laughs> aging in American oak. Hungarian, yes. Of course, French. Wait, yes. ever? You've never heard of anyone ever aging oh, in American oak? I don't know that anybody
1: has ever said I think, they've been in I think, American I think oak. Ridge still only ages in American oak and huh.
2: silver um, oak.
1: Silver oak is only American yeah. oak. There I mean, there, no, there's a lot of Good. people that use American oak, John, and it it used to be. And now here I go making myself sound old. When I first got in the business, <laughs> Back in the days. the American oak that we used to get were <laughs> bourbon barrels, and you know. They would come and we would um, empty them out, get a little more bourbon out of the bottom because they'd be shipped across the country. Did you drink that? And then and we did yes. drink that. Yes, we did. <laughs> what do you think? Um, but they were they they were bourbon barrels, you know. Um, and then they started making bourbon barrels, but they started toasting them, not firing them. And then um, then they stopped aging them in kilns, and the barrels got even better. And World Cooperage is. Was like the leader in research for that. Absolutely, I, I got to go on a week long trip through Missouri, and all these Sorry about tastings, that. Oh man, it was it was it was an amazing trip. We went out to Forest. We did tasted research. We went to the cooperage. I almost died at the cooperage. That's a whole other story <laughs> um, for another podcast or um, <laughs> what? Well, it's because can you imagine what a cooperage looks like in you know, the middle of Missouri, no disrespect to Missouri. There's no Cal OSHA there. There's, you know, there's extension cords going through doorways. And <laughs> oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And banjos yeah. hanging. Very <laughs> but, large but, tools. Believe me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But, but to, I've been there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but to, my point is is that American oak has come a long way. There's probably a lot of people that use American oak and don't even talk about it. Well, um, let's talk about why. The little secret. So let's talk um, about
3: why you would use American oak then.
2: American oak, I find, is excellent at giving notes of vanilla, Mm -hmm. almost like an autumnal spice as well, you know, and it gives uh, like a sweetness perception to the wines. And and old, you know, we're talking like 15 years ago, American oak got this bad rap for giving a dill, like a vegetal character, almost like a bitterness to the wines. And it's really come a long way. You know, people are actually aging or seasoning the oak, you know, out in the stave yards for 24 to 36 months, and that helps with that dieback, that dill character, and, and the toasting regimes. American oak is very, very useful for for different wines, especially Syrah, too. Mm-hmm. I think I think some of the Rhone varietals benefit from it. But actually, we didn't even talk about the oak in the sense so, um, No, that's, we did not. That is all... Used French, okay. so no new oak at all in the Senso. I just want the the flavor of the fruit to yeah, come through. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So the Petit Sirah is really the first time I've first wine in the lineup that I use any new oak.
1: And what percentage of new oak is it?
2: It's fifty percent. Okay. And I asked my husband. I asked Yuri for the most, you know, high impact, obnoxious American oak barrel he had, and he had to go to their Australian cooperage, Heinrich. Mm-hmm. So this is very, you know, for those of you that are very green, you know, conscious out here, this is like the most ungreen green barrel. The, the American oak is seasoned, aged. Actually, it's not aged, but it's, you know, sourced from Missouri. It's shipped over to Australia and seasoned in the yards <laughs> in Australia, you know, formed into a barrel, toasted in Australia, and then shipped back here.
3: I think it's flown back on a (laughs) C (laughs) four. One of the biggest ships. One of the biggest um, air. I wonder if it actually goes
1: around the world because, like, when they (laughs) harvest the trees and they ship it, they probably ship it from the east coast, and then it goes to Australia. But then, once it's in Australia and the barrel's been made, it would make more sense to bring it straight to California. Well, now
3: does the price reflect that travel time?
2: It's an expensive barrel, okay. yes.
1: It does get travel mile points,
0: however. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so bank on that.
2: But I think this barrel was perfect for this wine. I, This was the first time I worked with this vineyard. This is in Calistoga off uh, Bennett Lane. It's called the Esperanza Vineyard. They also have Cabernet and Grenache planted there. And it's a very small, I want to say it's only like four or five acres of petite, and very small berry, so very different than the rest of my wines yeah. and very tannic. So I really wrestled with this wine. It was like an arm wrestle to almost the week before bottling, trying to get those tannins to, to tame down. So it's well, a... The tannins, big, what did you do then? Uh, we, they uh, just tamed? I, I worked with some fining agents, you know, to be totally honest about it. And the fining agents helped, helped remove some of that tannin. Yeah.
3: yeah. But that's what... I, you know, Petit Sirah used to be my favorite varietal. I think in... When I was like in my mid-20s and 30s, and what I loved about petites Siraz is that it almost was like four or five different wines. If you opened up a bottle and you tasted it right when you opened it, 10 minutes later, half an hour later, an hour later, every time you tasted it, it tastes like completely different wine.
2: Right. Because it's just, there's so much going on. Yeah. And there's so much fruit. I mean, this is like... Like blackberry cobbler, to yeah. Make.
1: I totally. mean, it's kind of in petit straw's makeup is that it wants you to open it and not be satisfied until you know a couple of days later. Right. Because well, it and does then you get to so the
3: end of it and it's got like graham cracker, chocolate, marshmallow flavor. Like it almost moves into a dessert like thing right. at the well, end. I think
1: that I think the tannins are very much in check with this and they're all yeah. real fine grained and real rich yeah um, and th- you know 50% new oak um, and with the obnoxious barrel as you called it I think yeah um, it's it doesn't appear to be you know overpowering no. by any means it probably gives it some of that richness but
3: you only sweetness. you said one barrel you only so made? it's
2: two, two barrels for this one 50 cases so okay. I have one neutral barrel and one brand new barrel. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then blended. Okay. That's the hard part about making smaller volume wines is I don't have a lot of playroom with the oak. Right. You know, when you're, when you're doing larger lots, you can source from a couple of different coopers, get a couple of different toasts. And, yeah. I mean, and that's the, that that's the amazing so. thing
1: is like what Jeff Cohn told us, like when he worked at Rosenbloom how he could do these barrel trials. And he feels so confident in his barrel selections because they did so many trials and they were big enough that they could do like 10 barrel barrel trials. So they'd have yeah. you know, 10 cooperages each with 10 barrels. Because it's hard when you're small to do a trial or you don't, again, going back to the Friday afternoon barrel, you know, every barrel is hand toasted. And if somebody gets distracted or the fire's a little hot, your random barrel might be not exactly what deep you think toasted. it is. Right. Yeah, it might be more deep toasted. Hmm. You're right. So, um, so yeah, you, it's, it's, it's always a little bit of a gamble. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. That's
1: why knowing your Cooper is very important. I like yeah. the concept <laughs> of the, you know, the know your Friday Cooper. barrel. I know my Cooper.
3: <laughs> Do you guys barrel-age any cocktails?
2: We don't. Have you no, ever thought about that? No, he doesn't have any of the small. The, t- the smaller no. vessels. No.
3: Okay, so you'd have to go party style.
0: Like on a, <laughs>
3: like a big one, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: That'd be a lot. Yeah. It would be
0: an awful lot. Even a pony keg of cocktails would be. Right. Yeah.
2: We do have a keg of rosé at home. Wait a minute. Yeah. Of your rosé? Absolutely. So you on put tap.
0: it. You can tap it. Uh, there you go. You really so at your bar.
2: It's in our it's in our fridge. Your, keg- your little kegerator. Our did little kegerator. you drill a hole
3: through the front of the fridge? Yep. The, oh my god! Every time you open your mouth, I fall more in
0: love. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Yuri. Remember, Yuri's Oh <laughs> <listening>. my god!
1: <laughs> we didn't mean this to happen, my friend. <laughs> oh. So, did you bottle a percentage of the rosé in kegs?
2: No, we just had it a just little bit left over. Yeah. Okay. yeah, a little bit left over, and I thought I want a keg of that. Yeah, on tap at my house. Yeah. It's it's right right now we have Guinness on tap as well.
3: But you don't you don't cag any come of your, your wines, okay? <laughs> I you got Guinness on tap. Yeah. I like So that. you're not kegging any of the wines, though. For um,
2: no, I haven't ventured into that. For distribution, okay. Yet. Oh, it sounds like you've thought I'm about in, it. Yeah, though. I have thought about it, but it's you know I have a full time job outside of Onesta right yeah. now. So well, there's it would people <laughs> that
3: take care of it for oh, you. No, you know, not really. We, <laughs> have, we happen to know. Are some you of making them. billions in billions? You know, yeah. That takes a little bit
1: of piece of the pie out, also. Uh,
3: well, not necessarily, because I remember this one when, when I first saw wines going into kegs. I thought, oh, this is kind of a cool thing. We converted a couple of taps over at the Girl in the Fig, and um, so I ran the numbers on you know how much wine is in the keg and how much wine is in the case, and so I'm I'm subtracting cardboard, foil, corks, glass, label. Um, legal, uh, and I subtracted all those things, and then looked at the price of the keg and went, "Where's my savings?" It didn't really; right, it yeah. wasn't translating, and so I didn't see. I thought there was going to be a real cost benefit in in the kegging for, to to the, I guess, the middle person in between the, the you know whoever made the wine and the consumer, but I, there wasn't really a lot of room there, um, and I was surprised by that.
0: How about with, um, has
2: to do with uh, the accounting system?
0: Well, I think it's uh, Kivelstat.
2: Kivelstat. Well, right. I, I and another, that's exactly who I was. Thank
0: you, know. you Bart. Right. I, I think another about. thing
2: we're
1: kind of learning is that sometimes um, whoever's like a distributor, owns the taps. So Kivelstat has his taps. I think um, if you come in on your own and try to get in, it might be a little harder to get your wine in there, right? Um, you know, or 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 you know, does you know Regal for KJ, or um, you know, does do. do the, I, I've I've heard of because if they put the tap into them, then you kind of have a little bit of an allegiance, is what I've heard. I I don't know. I've never tried to sell any.
2: That that makes sense to me. But,
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't know. I just I just thought there was going to be a real cost benefit to because I thought we're removing all of these things, but I think what what it is is you don't sort of want to dumb down your brand. So if you're used to getting, let's say, $12 a glass for your Rosé or your Grenache Blanc or something. They don't really want to sell it to you at a price where then you're going to sell it for $10 or $8. And then the real benefit, and let's be honest about it, is environmental. So... Right. There is no cardboard. There is right. no paper. Absolutely. There is no well, glass. And, that's,
1: and that's Jordan's um, argument is that the, the carbon footprint is so much smaller yeah. and right. it's hard to fight with him on that. Well, one,
3: Jillian would just send it to Africa and then have it shipped back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, however, all glass is probably the ultimate recyclable. You know, I mean, they can, they can use all the glass you, you know, plastic, and it's another thing, right. but glass is.
1: Yeah. The dirty little secret of the wine industry is the amount of plastic that is used in packaging, from packaging barrels, wrapping pallets, glass pallets. Um, a it, lot of wrapping it's, going on. It's, yeah, yeah it, it's a shame. And and I, at one point, looked into trying to recycle it, and there was no avenue to put it anywhere. And But, you know, you go to a large winery during a bottling season, and yeah, it's yeah, pretty it's true. So, hmm. anyway, sorry. We, like I said, dirty little secret.
0: We have another wine on the table here.
3: Yeah, 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 which oh, we right.
0: talked a little bit about
3: <laughs> when you first uh, showed up today, but um yeah, let's let's get into it. Okay, so did you purposely save it for last? We did. Okay, good. And yes. it's and is it room temp for a, a reason?
2: No, I wasn't even sure we were going to taste it, so Okay. I thought it'd be just more of a talking well, point, well, but let's okay, taste let me it. Have your flash.
0: and empty that out there. So, and this is a uh, yeah, it's got a
3: different label than Onesta. It's yeah, called so Mentita. We're,
2: we're launching a new brand. Okay, it's kind of a polarizing brand, you could say. Uh, where Onesta is Italian for truth and honesty, and all the wines that are made labeled with you know the Onesta brand, they are all. So
1: you, I have, was having an Onesta moment when I was talking about the. Packaging stuff at wineries. You
2: definitely <laughs> work. Oh
1: wow! What a beautiful <laughs> nose on this,
0: Gillian. This is fabulous.
2: Oh, thank you. Wow, wow. Ooh. So Onesta is Ooh. all, you know, varietal, specific, and vineyard-specific wines. But I, while working for Randall Graham at Bonnie Doon Vineyards, we made a lot of blends. And I love the art of blending different varieties together to come up with, you know, the perfect wine, a very well-balanced wine. So my new label is Mentita. Yuri came up with this name, the concept. In Spanish, Mentir is uh, to lie. Mentita is kind of slang for a little lie. And uh, we're kind of going to bend and twist that to be Mentita is your guilty pleasure. Or your little lie you don't want to and, talk and about. And this
1: wine is
0: a guilty pleasure <laughs> wine. It totally is. It's really nice.
2: And the whole idea is, so the wines that are made under the Mentita label, we'll just do a white blend, a red blend, a rosé. They won't be varietal p- specific. We're not going to geek out on soil. It's really just the wines that you want to come home, you know, after a hard day at work. You don't want to think about it. You just want to pop the cork, pour a giant glass maybe one that you can't swirl right. and just kick back and did i mention every
3: time it? she opens her mouth <laughs> 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 damn it i love everything you're talking about yes you want to you know, come home right, and yes and you want to i want a wine that i we, can drink every day and spend, i'm not yeah. opening up some or core venting something out that i can open right i want to open something up that i want to Drink. Just drink. Yeah. And not
2: have to think about it so yeah. much. So it's kind of, trust me, the winemaker, I'll do the geeky side. I'll do all the blending, fine-tuning, and uh, you can and, just sit and back so, and relax and enjoy. It. So
1: are y- I know you don't want to talk about the varieties in this wine, but what are the varieties? Yeah. of what <laughs> <varieties? laughs> <My next one. laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So the base of this blend is Pinot Gris, and it, most of these wines are from the Ukiah area so mendocino um pinot gris a little bit of chardonnay and a tiny bit of muscat just to give that floral character ah
1: uh, that little bit of pop yeah. yes and chardonnay
3: pop. a little body and uh pinot yes. gris obviously some acid and um some nice maybe little honey notes mm-hmm. to it as well um, absolutely is that true pinot gris is one of those ones that if it'll start to um on the vine, you'll get uh, berries that'll start to mildew or rot out a little bit quicker. Yeah, you get than a
2: little, you get some of that noble rot. Right. Botrytis. Right.
3: Yeah. So, a lot of times when you have a Pinot Gris, you'll get some of those honey flavors, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of nice. Yeah.
1: I mean, what it, it caught me on this wine morning than anything else is how the aroma just pops. Um, it's, it's very fresh and, and bright. Um, so, maybe that's a little bit of the muscat.
2: I think it's a little muscat, but the. The Pinot what Gris on its own was definitely beautiful. Yeah. I almost just wanted to bottle it yeah. on its own. Yeah. Then well, that goes great. against the whole blending right. <laughs> concept. It's <laughs> another Onesta wine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs>
3: That's great. And tell us about the label, because it's got like a... What's that movie, the Tom Cruise, where him and his wife go to those big parties that uh, they're wearing in the blindfolds and stuff? Vanilla Sky.
2: <laughs> no, it's not Vanilla
1: no.
3: Sky.
2: It's... Um, what is that movie?
1: Um... Yeah, they go to the wild sex party.
2: Right, that's what it, this is what it reminds me of. The masquerade. (laughs) Right, so it's kind of like, don your mask, get into your guilty pleasure, and enjoy Mentita. Okay, cool. Yeah, but this label is far more intricate. I put a lot, we put a lot more artistic design. And is the red label the the same um, mask? Yeah, it's got a copper. Oh, oh, really? Nice. so a copper capsule wow. copper mask
3: and w- and this is not available on the onesta website is that true
2: no it's not available on Onesta website we're just putting the finishing touches on the web the mentita website and so
3: this wine is not even out there in the market yet no nope. okay not yet thank you so you're a lucky yeah, man yeah.
2: yeah brian mm-hmm.
0: you are so you how heard do, it here first folks how do all of our listeners get in touch with you
2: you could get lot, go on to the Onesta website and
0: and that's O N E S T A
2: OnestaWines dot like and there's you can actually shop online. We have a shopping cart there, and right now we have a promo code where you can get twenty percent off on all orders if you type in Live Onesta, and that's one word. It live Onesta. Live Onesta. That's it. Yeah.
0: Beautiful.
3: Twenty well, percent off on even like single bottle, three bottle, six bottle, nine bottle case, four absolutely. cases, ten cases, yes. twenty cases.
2: Totally, twenty cases. We'll have to talk. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you do well?
0: Whoever did your website did a very nice job. It's, I like it. It's uh, clean. Uh, it's clean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just exactly the way you want. It's easy to get around. Yep. It oh, has excellent. everything, Thank and it's you. it's very visual.
3: I know, and people, I just, I get so annoyed. Sorry, I'm going to rant just for a second. I get so annoyed with with websites these days. If you don't have a nice navigatable, I guess is that the word, Mm -hmm. Um, clean website, then shame on you. Um,
2: Yeah, it's really hard because a lot of people, you have to think, they're going to be looking at it from their phone. Right. So it has to be mobile friendly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's something a lot of people didn't think about.
1: Who do you do your website through?
2: Well, uh, Grady Seibert, who I work with, he handles the sales okay. and marketing side. His name's Grady? Mm-hmm. Grady.
3: I've only known one other person named Grady. You know who it was? Oh, wasn't dicks. he on? No, he was on Sanford and Son. Remember Grady? <laughs>
1: yeah. No, there was also a winemaker, Grady Grady Swan. Grady that was the winemaker at. Um, oh, darn it,
3: my brain. <laughs> It'll come back. <laughs> Anyway, props to you, Grady, for doing uh, Yeah, Grady does an excellent job. And okay.
2: I'm so excited for everybody to see the Mentita website. It's Totally different style than Onesta. so It's, it's really not fun. it's
3: not live right now? It's not live. By the time, will it be live in a couple weeks?
2: I'm hoping in in, in about a week.
0: Oh, okay, so good, okay. when this yeah. comes okay. out, it should be live.
3: Okay, and so okay, it'll, there you it's, go. is yes. it going to be mentita.com or mentita.wine?
2: Mentita wine?
3: Mentita.wine. Mentita.wine. There's yes. a dot .wine now? Yeah. Really?
2: Yeah,
1: I guess I should probably go out and snatch up Dane Sellers' wine. Oh, too late! I already did. <laughs> 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 but I'll
3: sell it to you right, exactly. for five hundred
0: dollars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> five.
3: You
0: better get on it before this comes out. Right, exactly. <laughs> actually, how do you spell the name of the wine?
2: M um, e n t i d a dot wine.
3: And the white and the red are similar price points.
2: Yes, twenty twenty dollars a bottle.
3: And the yeah. red is a blend of.
2: Mostly Syrah, a little bit of Zinn, and some Carignan. Also Mendocino County? Also Mendocino. Well, you're up. I'm up, but it's just a placeholder.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes, it's got the beautiful mask. Yeah. That's it. Well, cool. It looks great. It's very New Orleans. It is. Yeah. I mean, Mardi Gras in that respect. So, who did the illustration for you? It's It's cool.
2: You know, it was a kind of a collaborative effort from um, an artist that we found online. And I can't not remember his name. Well, right
0: not now. only do you have the eyes of the mask, but in the middle, you have another face. That's pretty interesting. So.
2: Oh, right, yeah. So <laughs> like I never saw that before. <laughs> what are you smoking over there? <laughs> As much of anything That's I can that. get. <laughs>
0: we are in California, so it's, mm. it's easy. Oh, this is a really interesting wine.
2: Oh, thank you. You know, I've never,
0: I don't know that I've had a white blend like this before. You You know, there's not a
2: lot on the shelves out there. Uh, You know, white blend is not a huge category. Yeah, you know, red
3: blend has been like the chaos category over the past few years. But Mm. you're right, white blends. And Jeff Cohn, our friend, does some nice ones with Marsan Rousseau, Grenache Blanc, Figné, whatever. And that's typically what we see for the blends. And then I actually got a bottle, I was telling Bart this, I got a bottle at. Grocery outlet, bargain market. <laughs> <laughs> I love the jingle. Um, I go there every once in a while and just kind of peruse <laughs> through the through the um, wine category because there's always like little secret little finds that you can find if you know what you're looking for. Right. <clears throat> and so I saw liter bottles with crown caps of this white blend. And it was called Ten, I think Tendu, T E N D U, and so I, I turned it around and saw Mathiasen Family yes, Wines. That's
2: a really good wine. And I was yeah. like
3: Mathiasen, I love Steve Mathiasen. Is this and looked it up and said, Oh yeah, it's him and his wife do this white blend and do it in liter bottles with a crown cap, and it's a blend of uh, Columbard, Chardonnay, and Vermentino or so Roll, cool. for you geeks out there. Um, and so I instantly grabbed three bottles and ran to the checkout. <laughs>
1: Nice. So have you opened one yet?
3: I did. We opened up one the other night, and it's a 2015, and I think that's why it was at grocery outlet because it's kind of meant to be drunk fresh. But it's yeah. still with a crown um,
1: cap, it should be pretty fresh.
3: No, it was good. The only, I, I think it, you know, and it was uh, 12% alcohol, maybe 11.5. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the only thing for me, it was lacking a little bit of acidity, or the acidity was all in the front and the middle, and I, I like when acidity hits me on the sides.
1: Um, yeah. You like to salivate.
3: Totally, I you like my mouth we've been to water. we doing this way
1: too long. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I sell wine,
3: I want wine to want. I either want you to want another glass or food, because I sell food and wine. Right. So, <laughs> so it helps I love both wines. Causes. Right. So yeah. I love wines that are like that. But, um, but totally enjoyable wine and, um, <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. Right. <laughs> I was so happy with my little uh, that I, I actually brought one into the restaurant the other day and we all got to try
2: it. It's a really fun package. I've seen it. It's cool. Have, yeah. why, have
3: you ever thought about doing something kind of different like that?
2: I have, yeah. Like? Like, like exactly that package. I think I saw that at Zuzu one time and just was like, right. oh my gosh, this is the coolest right. idea.
3: Well, I know Bart <laughs> and I have kind of fallen in love with, at Bottle Barn, we'll get some wines that are in the liters with the crown caps. What is it, the, the one you, you were getting? Was, well, was the, it an Alvarino? The or vi- a, no, the
1: Vino Verde. It was vino Verde, yeah. Yeah, with crown cap, organically grown Vino Verde in a liter bottle crown cap. And it was like, eight dollars a bottle
3: yeah I mean,
1: you
2: can't yeah. beat that
1: yeah
3: you i mean there's got to be it. juice out there that you can do that and be yeah. cost effective and you can't touch that <laughs> no and that's everyday drinking wine for me right, right. right. although i did have to find a cork because we didn't finish it so then i had to find a cork <laughs> that was thin enough to, to like, fit, shave it down to kind of fit <laughs> yeah. in there to yeah to save it for the next day which yeah the
0: you know first ca- first class problems <laughs> First class problems, I guess so. Yeah, so.
1: (laughs) Well, hey. uh, This has been great. Yeah, we are. Thank you very much. And we are approaching
0: the end of the podcast. So just make sure everybody knows how to get you, and then we'll go to Brian because he has a lot of shout-outs.
2: Okay, definitely. So remember, visit the website, onestawines.com, and if you just want to ask me a question, you can do the, the email through the website. It'll go directly to my account. So that's a great way to get in touch with me and Grady, who also handles sales, or you can just order online very easily through the shopping cart.
1: And, and what was that discount code again?
2: It's Live Onesta, all one word, all lowercase for 20% off wow. on all orders. Awesome. Okay, cool. That's a good yeah. deal.
3: And all of these wines currently available?
2: They Except, are. except the Mentita. Except the Mentita. Okay. Coming soon. Okay. Coming soon. These are beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you
0: so much for coming over.
2: Thanks for having me. It was oh, fun. Absolutely.
0: Well, we do have a lot of fun doing the show. So, Brian. Uh,
3: well, number one, I'm curious. Have you done any wine dinners recently?
2: I'm doing one this week. Where? At the Los Altos Hills Country Club. Okay. Oh, that's a nice yeah. One. Yeah, it should be pretty fun.
3: Okay. I'm just curious. I think it's not. You. I think you have a good lineup for doing a winemaker dinner. I do. Somewhere here locally, like like sweet tea, maybe sweet about. D. absolutely yeah okay. i would i would love to okay i know someone that might be able to help know us someone okay. uh, yeah. i think that would be fun <laughs>
2: yeah okay. yeah there's something for each course yeah right you the you know the white the rosé the light red and the petit
0: go dessert even
2: right yeah, yeah. it would okay cool
0: yeah you know uh, standing outside <laughs> just talking with the rosé would be perfect yeah then you go in you start off with the white you know and then I don't know. Just, you might sneak in this white blend someplace. <laughs> <laughs> right. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, something for everybody. So Brian, what else is going on? Um, <clears throat> Lots just, of shout outs. I uh, just, no, just uh,
3: always like to get a shout out to anyone that's coming here to Napa or Sonoma and wants to do tours. Um, look us up on wine, com. Z O O L O O. Take you to some cool spots. Um, you know I saw Steve law the other day he he's moving he's moving yeah and he's moving sort of over by where landmark is right off of highway 12 where Kaz used to
1: well, be so they bought a house up there okay and it, I think it's a house that he can have a tasting room there so they've yes yeah oh you know more by than appointment this.
3: by appointment
1: by appointment okay
3: yeah so yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know what all of the you know well the I specifics mean specifics are but he said that yeah that you could come up and it's there's like an old barn on the property right. and anyway, I you know, I love him and Heather and and But these are they are they, they're
1: moving out of um yeah, I said they had to Sonoma? triple
0: triple their rent, yeah. something like that? Yeah, that's
1: too
3: ridiculous.
0: Much money. it's too much money. Well, there you go. It's uh the the conundrum that is downtown square well, Sonoma. So there
1: will be so of the nine tasting rooms in downtown Sonoma that have to go away, they might be the first one to have to go away. Yeah. Right. True. The city true. council has decided there will be nine less. Well, Constellation rooms. can
0: come in and buy yeah. them all. So. You know, put put um, in a Constellation. Maybe they can, like you know, people who brand uh, stadiums. This could be Constellation yeah, Town.
1: No, um, no, I don't. I don't um, know that that's. That'd be great. One, but,
3: um. <laughs> um, and also, you know, I want to say that uh, last night ran into Craig Hasserow, owner of Sojourn. John, I thought of you because we have a bunch of Ferraris on property right now. It's and, a good thing. And um, he was coming and doing a private tasting for some of these Ferrari owners. Is and this saw, the Ferrari Club out of San Francisco? No, it's not. these I don't know who these people are, but there's a lot of tall, blonde women um, giving away bags of Ferrari stuff. I don't know exactly what's going
1: on.
0: I'll meet you there later. Okay, I was going to say. After lunch. <laughs> you, I got, you and
3: Joan actually stopped in the bar the other night. Thank you for... Um, Coming over. To oh the yeah, Fair, coming back to the Fairmont. We
0: had a great time. Yeah, good, um, wonderful time. And I talked a, a, a farmer from uh, Dallas, uh, a cattle farmer, into not using Roundup anymore. So, nice. So, well, God damn it, I didn't know all that. Hell, Mission accomplished. Hell, then I'll stop using it. I said, uh, you know, you know, I was watching uh, basketball over the weekend. Ortho now is really, I mean, smart marketing. Something that says organic, salt based. Um, so it's, it's something to take care of the weeds in your driveway that won't kill everything and everybody in the neighborhood, I guess. So nonetheless, people are getting aware. Yeah, of it.
3: I saw the commercial and it said organic friendly. I don't know exactly. I had never heard that term before, so I don't know exactly what that means. Well, we've read the term <laughs> organic
0: once in a while. Hey, we're real friendly people. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. pretty silly.
3: Yeah. Sort of odd. Um, so I, John, I think that's all I got. All right, Bart. Oh, um, yeah. Well, hold on. Whoop. Because sometimes they don't do it for themselves. Um, I think you should get some uh, Bart's uh, wine at danesellers.com. Sam is not here representing. <laughs> Sam
0: Chenin Blanc, perhaps?
3: A uh, little Chenin Blanc would be fabulous. I think, it, I think it's close to becoming classified as a Rhone varietal. So right. uh, soon to be exactly. poured at the girl in the fig by <laughs> yeah, the glass. Exactly. I if we can wear Sonder <laughs> down? I'm sure there was um, a
1: small... A small uh, corner of a vineyard in shutting to pop. That was, you know, that I did that with Val de
3: You know, Talisman does mostly Pinot Noir, but they do a <laughs> Val de and and I put it on the list at the Girl and the Fig, and I told Sandra because I found a spot where it was actually growing in southern France. Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this, <laughs> and, and and so I told her no, it's it's a Rhone varietal. Like I've seen it where it's growing in 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 the southern Rhone. Um, yeah, I got away with it for I don't know, like a month or something. Um, and then Sam, Sam isn't with us today and, and, um, because he's, you know, he's got the new kid and so he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's also got
1: wine club coming up. So last chance to get up. on the, the uh, sixteen six hundred wine club um, right. signups. So and I love. know
3: vinyl Sundays, he's got some vinyl Sundays coming up and also his, um, kosher rosé, magnums um, from Ooh. Napa, um, uh, will be coming out, uh, hopefully soon cause I'd love to try it. So, uh, I always like to get a shout out to Sam.
0: Jillian thank you
3: wait I stole <laughs> Barts
0: thunder he did, he did steal that so document, so I
1: it? so I have an event coming up in the middle of May mm. um, I'm going to um, I've joined the group from Chef Cycle um, yes. which is no kid hungry yeah. um, and I'm gonna be part of this uh, 250 chefs from across the United States are coming to Sonoma to ride 300 miles in three days. So we're doing some fundraising from that. It's all attached to my social media. Um, You guys will see it. I'm going to start, you know, sending out some pleads for help. Um, But it should be really fun. And I think there's another winemaker in Napa Valley that I heard. But I think other than that, I think it's all chefs and psalms from all sorts of different restaurant groups. And it should be real fun. So it's called Chef Cycle. Check it out. We... If you're here in Sonoma County, we might be running through your neighborhood.
3: And yeah, <laughs> shout out to uh, Cole Dickinson, who is the executive chef at uh, MacArthur Place. Sondra yep. and I sat down with him yesterday. So the new restaurant, Layla, that's going to be open in a couple of weeks. And he's also involved with that. And it's a, it's a huge thing for him. He said, you know, normally guys get together once a year, like you do your uh, your trip to Austin and you guys go listen to music. Yep. He said for him, this he doesn't drink. This is his once a year thing where him and his friends get together and he gets to see the chefs and people from other restaurants and so and it, and it's for such a great cause um so yeah he was he was talking about it yesterday and yeah i think um, this
1: is like the, his third one yeah. yeah and i
3: was trying to do the math i'm like three days 300 miles wait a minute that's 100 miles a day how long does it take you and he said depends if it's uphill or downhill right.
0: Right. <laughs> it's like tour de france i can't even imagine those guys what they do what they go through i've driven days. those yeah, roads and it was scary days. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah right all right. Jillian, thank you very much. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, Jillian, nice thank, thank you. you.
3: Thank you guys. Yeah.
0: Always nice to see Thanks you. Thanks for letting me get Love a little Love the geeky. wines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like geeky. We, and fun. It's all it's all a perfect thing. So, thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, what's great
3: is no matter what you like, she's got a wine for you. I mean, when going from rosé to petite sirah and everything in between. So,
2: Right. Yeah. Perfect. Full, great portfolio. Full spectrum.
0: Yep. Oestewaines.com
1: oh, totally. people. Yep.
0: Mentita wine. M E N T I T A Who's going to be the Wine. first one to buy a case of that?
1: I don't know. We'll have
2: to see.
3: Well, we'll see. Probably my mom. Is <laughs> <Does> that happening? <laughs> hey, mom. There you go. Yeah.
1: All right, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening. We are the winemakers. We'll talk to you next week. See you. Thanks, John.
1: Thanks.